Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we're in our study on shape so we can learn exactly how God would want to use us, how he's made us to be, to be used by him and uh, to find our purpose and meaning in life. So last week we talked about understanding your spiritual gifts and today we're going to talk about heart. The Bible says in Revelation 17, for God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. Before you were even born, God already had a purpose and a plan for you. And I believe that when you were born, that plan was put into you. In fact, when people discover, take the time to search the heart of God and discover why God put them on this planet, there's something that connects inside of them immediately. They just know. It's just kind of like, I know this is what God's put me here for. This is what I've wanted to do, but now that I've turned to this, it's so obvious. And what has happened is something has connected with your heart. Now, you, as a believer, you can go through life and you can do whatever you want, but is it going to be satisfying? <laughs> is it going to be fulfilling? In 2002, for three weeks, Elvis Presley's album of greatest hits was the number one album in the nation. And he had been dead for 25 years at that point. Think about that. Dead for 25 years and his album becomes number one again for, for three straight weeks. And, uh, and in spite of his enormous success... Elvis Presley, according to his friends, was unfulfilled and an unhappy man. When he died at the age of 42, imagine, he was a young guy. In an interview with his wife, uh, Priscilla, she said this about her husband. Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. This is pretty profound, what she's saying. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. That agonizing desire was always with him. And he, now listen to this, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. In spite of all his success and all of his popularity, he knew he was not fulfilling God's purpose for his life. She said that agonizing desire was always with him and he knew he was not fulfilling it. So he'd go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it. But then when he came off the stage... He had to face himself again. And maybe that's why he was such a recluse so much of his life. So he, in a sense, even though he claimed to be a believer, and I think he was, he was kind of lost. 
he missed why God put him on this planet. And he knew it. And so we're going to talk today about the heart. The heart is the center of your motivations. It's the center of your desires. It's the center of your inclinations. You know, isn't it true that there are just some things you love to do and then there are just some things you hate doing? And uh, it doesn't matter how good you are at some things. If you, you just don't like it and you'd prefer not to do it, maybe you even say that. You say, I'm good at that, but I hate doing it. And, and so you just, you know, well, that's your heart that is speaking. Um, you just have those natural inclinations. Now, your spiritual gift, you remember we said you get that when you're, when you're saved. But your heart, that's what you were born with. And you have certain inclinations in your heart. And it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just what's there. And there's some, you know, you can say, hey, I love to do this. Or I, I love to do that. That's something I hate doing. And we're just all different that way. I, I was, I'm married to a woman who loves to do yard work. She loves to be working outside. As, you know, and, it, and it's nice as long as the lawnmower doesn't get so loud that I can't watch what I'm watching on TV. And, but she actually, she loves doing that. She loves doing projects. She loves making things. She loves building things. And it's just satisfying to her. So it's important that we ask those questions. What's in my heart? And one of the things that I've discovered as a pastor, that rarely do I see people fulfilled and successful if they're not having fun doing it. If they're not enjoying doing it. So I want to ask some questions today. I want you to ask yourself these questions. And uh, this will begin to help you uh, to reveal what your heart really is. The first question that I think is obvious, you need to ask yourself, what do I love to do? Just what do I love to do? I mean, what do I have a heart for? And uh, what motivates me the most? Um, what, what do I love to, to work for? What, what age group do I enjoy being with? What uh, church issues or ministries or possible needs excite me or concern me the most. If I knew that I couldn't fail, what would I attempt for God with my life? That would tell you a lot about your heart and what's really in there. A lot of times we fail to attempt something with our heart out of the fear of failure. So let's look at our heartbeat. Let's look at these factors that begin to shape us. You know, some people, I've heard them say, I'm using my spiritual gift, but I don't get a thrill out of it. Now, here, here's what's happened. I, they may say, I love to teach, and so we have an adult class that we'd love, you know, we're going to put them in charge of, and, and they're teaching, and they're great at teaching, but they're just not happy with it. They're not thrilled with it. And then as you talk to them, you know, you find out, say, yeah, I love to teach, but I love to teach kids. I love to be with young people. So that's the heart part. And so when we put them with the young people or the children, then they get thrilled about it. They're, they're still using the same gift, but now they're using it along with their heart. And maybe you love working with senior adults. 
Uh, we, we've got some people in our church that love working with the military. Uh, we've got some guys that are passionate about working with retired guys, uh, military who have PTSD and, and they, they're, they have a heart for that and they have a gift to work with those guys. And so when you, when you don't think about your heart and you try to use your spiritual gift, it's kind of a hit and miss. And you might put yourself in a position that you're, you're just miserable. And we don't want that for you. We, we want you to be right where your spiritual gift is and where your heart is. Now, when you talk about the heart, you know, there's a lot of different de definitions in the dictionary. It's that organ that pumps your blood. It's the emotional uh, constitution of your disposition. Uh, it's a vital or driving impulse. People will say, you know, the, the, my heartbeat is, and they can tell you what it is. The Bible usually uses the heart to represent the center of your motivations, the center of your desires and your inclinations. We see that all through the book of Psalms. We see that even where the Bible says, serve God with all your heart. Love God with all of your heart. And so we're talking here about having Jesus at the center of your motivations, the center of your desires and your inclination, the center of your heart. Question number two, in my heart, is the Christ, is Christ the center of my motivation, desires, and inclination? In my heart, is Christ the center of my motivations, my desire, and my inclination? Now, here's why that's important to ask that question. Uh, you, you see, your heart determines why I say the things that I do. It doesn't determine what you say. It determines the why of saying it. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So it's what I say. So why I say the things I do. It's why I feel the way I do. That's what your heart determines. In Psalms 26, the psalmist said, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Why I feel the way I do. The third thing about the heart, it determines why I act the way I do. In Proverbs 4, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This one is worth saying again. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. That's how important your heart is. What this teaches me is that my heart reveals the real me. You see, the spiritual giftedness reveals the Holy Spirit in me. But my heart reveals the real me. You, you see, um, a lot of people can have your spiritual gifts, but nobody else has your heart. 
And, and so you need to ask yourself these questions and because there's something very unique about your emotional heartbeat. It has its own rhythm, its own beat. And when you encounter various activities or subjects or circumstances, how you react to them or how you feel about them, that comes out of your heart. You know, you instinctively feel deeply about some things and other things you're kind of, huh, I don't care. And it takes all things. It takes all of us. So in our staff, uh, we have a wide variety of hearts. We have a wide variety of spiritual gifts, which is what you need, but we have a wide variety of hearts. Uh, some people on our staff are just passionate about working with people and passionate about helping and training them. And then there's some people on our staff, uh, they are passionate about organization, that things are done right and done in the, in the right way so that we maximize our effort. Um, some people are passionate about numbers and data. Uh, that's why our executive pastor, Ronald Flynn, I love having him on staff because he, he is passionate about numbers and data. And so when I have to make some decisions, I know he'll provide me with the information I need to know so that it'll help me to make the right decisions because I don't really care about data. I just want the bottom line. I don't care about how you got there. Just tell me what the bottom line number is. But some of you, maybe that's what you care about. You care about how you get to that number. Some of you, when you see certain ministries, it just, you, you get passionate about it. You, you want to do something about it. That's your heart. Now, it's a mistake to expect people to have the same heart you do. That would be a mistake because you're, you're setting yourself up for a disappointment it takes all of us to have different hearts about certain people. And, you know, I, I know many, we got a lot of uh, physicians in our church and I listen to them and hear, you know, some of them are, they just have a real heart for the patient. They want to get involved and they want to know what's going on in their heart. They want to know how they can pray for them. And, and then there are other physicians. They just, they want to find that problem. They want to fix that problem so that person can get on with their life. I mean, is one right over the other? No, not, they're, they're both great. But see, they're, they both have the same skill set, the same gifts, but they have different hearts and how they approach it. You know, some of you that are teachers, you have a different heart. You, you want to get information to the people you're teaching and you want them to understand that information. And then there are others of you, you want them to take that information and let it change their life. You, you want them to live out that information so your, your heart, we all have a heartbeat that beats in different ways. I have a heart of you knowing the scripture. But more important than that is that you do the scripture. My heart for you is that every time I preach a sermon, I'm asking myself two questions. I'm asking, what does God want the people of Gateway to know and what is it that God wants the people of Gateway to do? And then I use scripture in answering those two questions. God wants you to know your spiritual gift. So last week, I gave you a simple test on how you can figure that out. 
God wants you to understand and know your heart. And he wants you to take that heart and serve him with all of it and to love him with all of it. So whatever you're gifted at, make sure you line it up with your heart. Your heart is very different from your gift. You know, there are basically three kinds of hearts. Uh, Some people enjoy working with people. Some prefer working with things. And some people enjoy working with information. It takes all three. A person that works with information, that doesn't mean they don't care about people. But it takes all three. And that's why I try to have a balance on staff of spiritual gifts and of hearts. Third question you need to ask yourself. Do I allow God's word to challenge and stretch me? That's the difference between knowing and doing. You can know God's word all day long. You can memorize all the scriptures you want to learn. But unless it challenges you and stretches you, it makes no difference. Here's what the Bible says, James 3. It says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition, where? In your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Hey, look at me. Look at what I can do. Look at what I've done. I mean, that's boasting. And a lot of times when we boast, we tend to lie by stretching the truth. Stretching the truth is still a lie. And that usually reveals either jealousy that you have towards someone else's success, or it reveals selfish ambition because you want attention. 1 Samuel 12, it says, don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, so you're a sinner, you've messed up, but make sure you know that you worship the Lord your God with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Say, look, I can understand why you want to hide from God because you're guilty and you don't want to face God. But God loves you. He has compassion for you. He has grace and mercy for you. So don't turn your back on him. Rather, love him with all your heart and he's going to save you. He's going to get you through this. Ephesians 6, 6, it says, As slaves of Christ, do the will of God Does it say with all your spiritual gifts? No. It says with all your heart. Motivation, inclination, passion. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew. For even the son of man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Be like Jesus. Don't make it about you. Make it about others. Serve others. Give your life to others. So how do I do that? Well, there's a couple of ways. How am I going to practically do this? Here's one way. Be available. 
uh, in Matthew, it tells a story about two blind men who were sitting beside the road and they heard that Jesus was coming their way and they started shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd started telling them to be quiet because they were an embarrassment and uh, they wanted to hear, they wanted to hear Jesus, not these two blind guys. And so they shouted even louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped. He made himself available. What do you want me to do for you? You see, you're going you're gonna to walk past needs all the time. And if you want to serve the Lord with the right heart, you've got to be available. In fact, in Proverbs, it says, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and and then I'll help you. When when you see a need, do it instead of putting it off. Because, you know, whenever you put it off, guess what? It usually doesn't happen. So make yourself available. Now, there are a couple of barriers you have to deal with about being available. I I have to deal with this and you've got to deal with this. One barrier is self-centeredness, right? I mean, we make it all about us. Philippians says, don't look only to your own interests, but take an interest in others. So in other words, my self-centeredness, when I see something that I can help my neighbor with, and I immediately start thinking, well, I got this to do. I got that to do. I've got my own stuff going on. I just don't have time. That's just self-centeredness. Even if it's good stuff, it's self-centeredness. And then another barrier, this is one I struggle with is perfectionism. I'm the kind of person that I want everything to be not, you know, really good. I want it to be perfect. And um, so when I see a little piece of paper laying down, I got to go pick it up. And when I see something out of place, I got to go fix it. And and in my brain, I used to struggle with getting something done because in my brain, I had to do it perfectly, and if I couldn't do it perfectly, I wasn't going to do it at all. And here's the Bible says something about that. I mean, the, the Bible describes me in terms of a farmer. Ecclesiastes 11.4, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. So perfectionism is an enemy to you being available to doing what you should do. Uh, There's a third barrier, materialism. Jesus said it this way. He says, you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, he didn't say you cannot serve God and make money. No, he said be enslaved to money, live for money, live for material stuff. And see, when I'm self-centered, when I deal with perfectionism, when I think only about accumulating, I rarely am I going to have time to be available to someone else. Now, the second way that I can do what the Bible tells me to do is by simply being grateful Psalms 100 says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Just be grateful. 
And in 2 Timothy, it says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, because we don't, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And if that's not a reason to be grateful, well, I don't know what is. I, I, I mean, God's called us to live a holy life, and, and that means to be set apart, by the way, not never make a mistake. It means to be set apart. He, he said he did this not because you deserve it, because you don't and I don't, but because that's been his plan all along. Well, man, I, I should be grateful about that. So here's some barriers to being grateful. One is criticism. It says, why do you condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So, you know, I, I can criticize other people or put them down. Or, you know, a lot of times I'm doing that to get the attention off myself. And, and I tell you what, in my ministering to other pastors, sometimes I run into this. I'll have a pastor to call me. And I had a real dear friend to call me just recently. And he wanted to talk about another pastor. And I finally just said, why, why, are you, why are you so focused on that? Why, why do you focus on that? And I felt so compelled and, and I'd had built up enough relationship with him over many, many years that I called him back. I said, you know, I just want to really speak to you about that. I think you're setting yourself up you're getting consumed with this situation and God's not giving you that responsibility. You know, do you think God's big enough to handle this one? And he said, well, of course I do. I said, well, then let it go. It's not your decision. It's not your deal. It's not something you need to get involved in or worry about or focus on. You, you, you just need to back away. We criticize to feel better about ourselves. Another barrier is comparing. That never works. Galatians says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. I, I'm going to tell you, comparing yourself to other people is just a dead-end road. It will keep you from being grateful because you'll be filled with well, resentment, jealousy, or pride and arrogance. There's a third barrier uh, about being grateful, and that's just wrong motives. The Bible says, Jesus said this in Matthew, he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Here's the deal. You want to bless somebody? Do it anonymously. Find a third party you trust and let them do it on your behalf. You know, pass along whatever way you're choosing to bless them. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't tell people about it. What you do in secret, God blesses you openly. The third thing that you can do is just be faithful. John, Jesus' words in John says, I brought you glory, 
I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Jesus is talking to the Father. And these should be, wouldn't this this be cool that at the end of your life, you could say to God, I brought glory to you here on earth because I finished the task you had for me. I completed the work you had for me. And that gives glory to you. That, That ought to be a, closing great statement in your life. Here's a person that fulfilled God's purpose for his life. That brings God glory. In Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says the master was full of praise Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, I started this message by talking about Elvis Presley. There's a curious fact about him. He really didn't win many Grammys, uh, but uh, the ones he won, well, he was nominated, I think, 14 times, but... The ones that he won were for his performance in singing. One of them was, How Great Thou Art, and the other one was, He Touched Me. His passion in which he sang those songs won him the Grammy. And um, the song on that album that he won the Grammy for, expresses this very verse. It says, after the lightning and thunder, after the last bell has rung, I want to bow down before Jesus and hear him say, well done, my son. He is my reason for living. He is my king of kings. I long to be in his possession. He is my everything. I think the reason he sang that with such passion was because he really wanted that to be his life. And he knew he had missed it. For whatever reason. So my question to you is, now, if Elvis Presley prayed to receive Christ, he's in heaven. And... um, Several of his family members have said, absolutely, he did pray to receive Christ. And he, he doesn't get to heaven off of merits. But I want to be able to go to heaven because of Jesus. But I also want to hear, you finished the, the, the task I created you for. You fulfilled the purpose I had for your life. And that's the way God says, well done to you. Not that you did everything perfect, but that you fulfilled his purpose for you. That's a well done job. So that brings me to one last question. You know, for you personally and for us as a church, sometimes I I think we're like a sleeping giant. And if we're a sleeping giant, 
once we're awakened, it would shake up this community. One day, uh, Napoleon pointed at a map of China. He said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will shake the world. And it did. And they have. So when I look out at you, and I look out as us, as a fellowship, and yes, we are doing a lot for God's kingdom, but sometimes I think we're still like a little, a, a little bit of a sleeping giant that if we truly woke up, the amazing things that God would accomplish through us. And the way this sleeping giant awakes is when you and me, when we live our lives using our spiritual gifts and we live out of what's in our heart and we do what God created us, for us to do. That, that's a giant that makes a difference. One last verse, Colossians 3.23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So if you're a person that's working with the babies and you're in there changing diapers, you do it for the Lord. If you're working with young people and sometimes you wonder if they're even getting what you're saying, you're doing it for the Lord. If you're doing things that are behind the scene and you wonder if anybody sees it or not or appreciates it or not, God does. You're doing it for him anyway. Do it as unto the Lord. Let's pray.